Um, okay. Yeah, just to make sure it's recording. You know, I wanted to mention that, uh, I'm sure we brought this up before, but the variety of these stories is impressive to me. So I really have enjoyed the oh, variety, yeah. even though the themes sort of are consistent in pairs. Um, yeah, it's crazy how many different yeah. scenarios and people, and I'm sure it comes a lot from his life. Definitely but. very structurally and settings-wise, very different. It would be hard yeah. to come up with this many different people, you know? Well, so for one thing, we're going to read a story that the IV Day uh, was written a few years later. That and the dead, he took the occasion of the, you know, 12 year or whatever delay in, in publishing to write at least those two stories, um, Ivy Day and The Dead. Um, those are two that come off the top of my head. Here's another one. Um, but originally there were only 12. Um, but some of it was he got the, the opportunity, um, to not get to publish it when he wanted to. Right. And he, and he reworked the other stories a lot, right? Two stories. Oh yeah, yeah. So they 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 they're really polished, you know. He always said something, or I know for the novels, um, a third of the, a third of Ulysses came in editing or something. Hmm. Um, I don't think that's like a mathematically precise thing, but um, yeah, he 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 worked them over quite a lot. I mean, Portrait of the or uh, yeah, Portrait of the Artist was a whole rewrite of even of the original one. Um, exactly. Right. Uh, so yeah, he was a, he was a very good editor, a very good rewriter, and a diligent one, also. So our first story is called A Painful Case, and it stars Mr. Yeah. James Duffy. And this one was... Might as well just not have a name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say how I felt when I was reading this, because... It felt different than the other ones preceding it, which I can say about every one, basically. But it kind of fell into place yeah. like a waterfall. It was it was the perfect story. I mean, I really feel like this so far, and I'm sure The Dead is going to be better, but is the masterpiece thus far. I don't know. It really felt oh, yeah. perfect to me. Um, uh, yeah, let's, let's jump mean, What is there it. to say about James Duffy? He, just, he lives in the suburbs because he doesn't want to be around people. Yeah, he's enigmatic. Uh, he has a job. He's like a very modern man. The, the um, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, come up with a too overly wrought reading of him as, uh, you know, a liberal, alienated, atomized individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, he is. <laughs> he feels uh, that way. He feels very part. individualistic. I think. Oh yeah, I mean. Um, He's, he's 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 so atomized. He lives such a such an, a lonely atomized existence that um, he's, he's he's so 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 atomized to almost not be de- de- depersonalized. Mm-hmm. Um, on the second page of mine, he lived at a little distance from his body regarding his own acts <laughs> with doubtful side glances. He had an odd autobiographical habit which led him to compose in his mind from time to time a short sentence about himself. <laughs> uh, containing a subject in the third person and a predicate in the past tense. Um, so yeah, <laughs> uh, he had neither companions nor friends, church nor creed. He lived his spiritual life without any communion with others, visiting his relatives at Christmas and escorting them to the cemetery when they died. He performed these two 
uh, social duties for old dignity's sake, but conceded nothing further to the conventions which regulate the civic life. He allowed himself to think that in certain circumstances he would rob his bank, <laughs> but as these circumstances <laughs> never arose, his life, life rolled out evenly, an adventureless tale. Um, so yeah, he has no ties with others, no ties to, you know. Do you think, uh, do you get the sense? Organizations, the churches, and any kind of, you know, uh, bankers yeah. guild or something. <laughs> Do you think this is do you think this is a criticism of a certain type of socialist who Joyce might be sympathetic to but who um is too aloof and above well, that, other people? That, that's, that's another um I mean that's another symptom of, of, of his life is that he uh I mean yeah, he, he joined the socialist organization. Um but then he's like uh he doesn't care for how the workers are ju- are just like kids overly yeah. overly concerned about their wages, and it's like that's their fucking livelihood. I mean, I understand, certainly understand. Um, you know, reading theory and talking about theory. Um, reading theory is like the the hashtag for for leftists online. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they 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 yeah they have practical concerns. Yeah, and he's talking about an um, ultimate revolution. But you know what's funny yeah. about that is he and seems he says, so timid. Like, there'll never be no social revolution. He told her would be likely to strike Dublin for some centuries. Well, not with people like him. I mean, he's so timid; he doesn't do anything. <laughs> he walks around and he goes to concerts. I mean, well, I don't know. Yeah, I think he's so. Uh, yeah, he's he's had life sucked out of him. For um, like, he's not maybe not even life sucked out of him, but he's been born into a life that is already unenchanted. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. yeah, just like preemptively, uh, deadened life. Um, even his hobbies are called the, yeah, like he goes to Mozart whenever he sees a Mozart concert. Um, the, uh, uh, yeah, that's one of the only dissipations of his life. Um, but yeah, he's, he's completely separate from there was a lot of uh, of humor in this story you know and there's one-liners that were that were subtle uh digs at the guy yeah there's Um, like a morbid humor to him um Um, and yeah he says uh, or yeah i think this is yeah he thought that in her eyes blah blah blah. we cannot give ourselves it said this this strange and personal voice which he recognized as his own insisting on the soul's incurable loneliness we cannot give ourselves it said we are our own yeah, that was yeah, sad. So when I talk about atomized individualism of of, of the, the the common or, or the contemporary man, that's what I'm talking about. Can you relate it all to the situation though that he is of a personality that enjoys the solitariness of reading and thinking, and I can I can understand that, and it is hard to share your innermost uh, thoughts or um, you know experiences in that in that hobby with other people so i can see yeah. that i mean he gives he even like gives up writing at a certain point right um, the, you know it's funny I, the weariness of of i mean the weariness of his living at the end of the story is obvious but i didn't pick up on it yeah so much as you did i don't think in the in the beginning and middle because you're right i, I mean i think you're right but i was thinking more of a sort of an arrogant aloof person uh versus someone who had been Worn down by I mean, having to do the work and take stuff. Take that, take that out of the the context. Yeah, uh, but I think you're right that he's worn down I mean, from I, having I, I, I to I live. I don't want to make it too much of a 
I don't want to make it too much of, I mean, it, it's hard not to read this along with Ivy Day and to talk about, like, uh, Dublin is this, Dublin along with, like, a couple of other cities that were um, the victims of British imperialism, like Hong Kong, I think of as, like, it really fascinating phenomena of, like, Dublin certainly, I mean, he talked, Joyce talked about how it's a thousand-year-old, capital but you know they literally weren't allowed to talk irish and there was we'll actually talk a little bit about the the celtic the celtic revival the irish revival in the um, mother you know they started talking talking irish again and but like their religion was persecuted and the people were starved and everything um and so all of these kind of like older binds between people were either just like worn away by it you know, capitalist imperialism, or they were made illegal. <laughs> like it was literally illegal by the by the ruling class. Literally made illegal by the ruling class. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're just like kind of left with nothing. And we see uh, this is almost like a like a very prescient story because you see in like a like Ireland is now like a hypercharged kind of. It, it's where a lot of like the big tech companies will hide some of their money because they don't have, you know, uh, a lot of, like, corporate taxes and stuff. Um, So it's like a hypercharged capitalist city now. And quickly, like, shearing off, you know, all of the the older, like, Catholic ties. Yeah, Um, they made abortion legal. Falling by the wayside. Yeah, which is shocking. (laughs) Um, It was, like, Two or three years. It was recently. That's yeah. what I mean. It's kind of just falling by the wayside. Um, and, and, and yeah, that, 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 those two things I think go, go pretty hand in hand. Like, like, I think the Marx quote something like everything, you know, capitalism, capitalism makes everything, you know, evaporate into the air. It's all of these old. He was talking about like a lot of pretty backwards to be, to be sure. Uh, like medieval kind of uh, uh, entrenched uh, society Social where you know, uh, a person was defined kind of relationally mm-hmm. and, um, you know, there was like the guild and all these people that you had kind of lifelong relationships with and how that could be pretty sad. But, you know, capitalism, you know, came in and overthrew feudalism um, and all these these older you know, ways of life, these older kind of like deeper rooted senses of the person dissipated and just evaporated in the air. Uh, of course, he thought that capitalism would dissipate, would like evaporate itself, would disenchant people from capitalism. Uh, I do not think that has been uh, proven correct uh, in the last 150 years since he wrote about that. Or I guess that would be top capital, so 140 years. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, capitalism does not, did not was not the poison pill whereby we overcame capitalism. That was a little bit. Sometimes Marx could be a little bit happy-go-lucky about the the. He's always impressed by capitalism, almost uh, to the point of not being able to diagnose it or yeah, see into the future. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard not to read Duffy as you know the the the, the an early part of this 
kind of worn down Dublin, this worn down Ireland, where no religion, yeah. no creed. Um, he's kind of a vague socialist, but he's like translate, uh, translating a Hauptmann, if I remember correctly, that actually Joyce had translated. So, and is he a clerk? Is does he have the same job as the other guys? <laughs> is he a clerk at a, a law office? Was a um, if I remember correctly, he was like a um. What no, do you call it? I mean, Mr. Duffy. Yeah, Duffy. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, he had been for many years cashier, cashier of a private bank. Cashier. Okay. There you go. The same thing. Well, I guess. I mean, more, more, more. Customer not a super facing. exciting job. Although, I mean... <laughs> Better than writing moment. out legal documents, right? Yeah, <laughs> certainly. Um, and his, like, association with the bank is, like, almost presented... You talk about, like, morbidly comic juxtapositions of information. It's like, remember where he says uh, something like, his dad died. It's like four years passed. He stopped writing. His dad died. The senior partner at his bank retired. <laughs> Those are like almost presented as like equal associations for him. Uh, his family ties <laughs> and, you know, the bank that he works at but tries to live as far away from as he can, leading this very moderate life. Um, but yeah, even that tenuous connection to the bank is. Not not much less tenuous than his connection to his family. Um, let's talk about the old lady that he meets, and let's talk about initially how he meets oh, yeah. her, how he meets her, and how uh, well written that right. is. So he's at a concert, and <laughs> this lady's there with her daughter, and uh, she's two years younger than than our friend, uh, Mister James Duffy, um, but. It turns out he's not going after the daughter. Well, I mean, she would be, like, way younger than him. No, they said uh, specifically that she when was... When he a- learned that the young girl beside her was her daughter, he judged her to be a year or so younger, so... Oh, the mom? The wom- The mom is... Oh, forgive me. ...about his age. Okay, never mind. That's idiotic. Yeah, she dies then. I, when she's like. Damn it! I thought I thought the daughter was eligible. That that's annoying. Never mind. Okay. Well, I misread that. So, she would be. Yeah. Okay. I think she's like thirty nine or thirty eight at this point. So. Well, did you not think at any point uh, that he might go the after? The daughter would be like sixteen, <laughs> which I guess was probably legal back then. Yeah. Well. Uh, I, I, I just I'm assumed there. for half a second. I mean, it I'm wasn't happily. long. It wasn't long. But you know how the, the daughter kind of does a side glance and sort of a, a shy, um, yeah. fa- you know, look away. Demuring. And, yeah, demurring. And I assumed he was perhaps. going for her. <laughs> but no. That would have been a different kind of painful case. <laughs> but no. Um, yeah. He was surprised that she seemed so little awkward. <laughs> While they talked, he tried to fix her permanently <laughs> in his memory. So there you go. Uh, a person he actually like can talk to or can get along with and kind of likes talking to. Um, and he's already, he tried to fix her permanently in his memory. Mm. Already, like, basically living it as if it were the past. 
Yeah, um, and you know, and, and assuming of course that this is just a one-off random. Obviously, that's that's an implication that this is just a nice conversation at a one concert evening. Yes, but it doesn't. It isn't. Um, you know, the line meet a few times at other concerts. The line that defines it's later on, and we'll talk about the stuff before this, but that defines how he is viewing this relationship is when he says that he thought that in her eyes he would ascend to an arc uh, to an angelical stature. It's like mm-hmm. he wanted her to put him, you know, on a pedestal. I think, and and he wanted to delib- deliberate to her, and you know, and have yeah. it have it be a. Uh, dominant relationship from him to her, uh, which didn't work out, and a entirely platonic yes, relationship. Yes, entirely platonic dominant relationship where where he just talks about whatever he wants and she's passive and listens. Um, yeah, where was it where he said that uh, friendship is impossible because it has to be friendship between man and woman is impossible because there has to be sex and love yeah, is impossible. That's a poem he, he wrote apparently. Or, love between man and man is impossible because there must not be sexual intercourse and friendship between man and woman is impossible because there must be sexual intercourse. So he just yeah, finds this an impossible go. situation. Uh, <laughs> and one of the things he says is every bond is a bond to sorrow. Yeah, jeez. Is he wrong? <laughs> well, in his opinion, he's right, and he cuts her off because she does this indiscretion of passionately pressing his hand to her cheek. <laughs> oh man, what a who she let she let herself go her her little spasm, her little emergency. Oh, oh boy, she is. Sad. I mean, not not. She's not sad in and of herself, but it's sad that he rejected her so utterly. I mean, it was like that is not okay. He didn't see her for yeah. a whole week, and then he determined to meet with her again and then uh, break off their intercourse. One hundred percent. She was disillusioned. <laughs> yeah. By... She probably didn't understand, yeah. you know, because if you're meeting. Oh, by the way, they met in her house in a dark room, and her husband. Mm-hmm. And daughter just uh, assumed that, you know, there was no trouble or problem, um, which goes to yeah, show. That was, a, that was a funny line. Her her husband had dismissed his wife so, so sincerely from his gallery of pleasures <laughs> that he just did not suspect that anyone else would take any interest in her. I think it's funny that there was no her. suspicion at all. Oof. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not even like... I mean, he probably had a vibe that Duffy probably had an aggressively asexual vibe about him. Oh, um, and by the way, he also assumed that he was. Go- he also assumed that Duffy was going for the daughter. Remember, so I wasn't alone. Oh yeah, 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 sure, yeah. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if her saying she's like sixteen, not. Can you imagine if? I mean, we do actually do and get a story of a lady marrying a much older man and the uh, unhappiness that maybe accompanies that. Um, um, so, yeah, so, they have this platonic relationship that uh, he evaporates. And then um, four years pass, and he returns to his way of life. Um he he goes about reading and uh and walking and yeah. going to concerts but 
not... Oh, wait. He kept away from concerts lest he should meet her. And then his father right. dies. It's funny you mentioned the uh, his relationship with his family and um, yeah. how his relationship is going to funerals. I think that was a line. <laughs> it was basically, That's basically uh, yeah. the extent. Yeah. So his father dies. Too bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, I mean, that's at least uh, uh interaction he would have with his family. Yeah. His father died. Oh, it's, it's not even two sentences. His father died, semicolon. The junior partner of the bank retired. So it's it's directly. Yeah. Direct it's a half sentence. Together. Yep. Associations of the same level in his uh, experience. It's It's a striking way to write a person the way he wrote this dude yeah <laughs> he's a real nowhere man um, um he's at a place eating okay and he's reading the newspaper and he notices an item uh and this this item yeah, shocks him the death of a lady at sydney parade a painful case all right so she dies She's forty three. Karen that style death. She the last couple of years she took to drink and <laughs> running in front of trains. Karenina. <laughs> Oof. Um, yeah, she commonly ran in front of the train. That was one of the lines in the article. <laughs> at night. It's like Yeah. <laughs> that um, was strange. It's a strange article. Strange. I mean <laughs> Yeah, they can't put she was suicidal and or she was just trying to feel something <laughs> either of those i mean would the journalist wrote like that would the journalists were honest and accurate um, um but no it has to be this whole damn thing right. about like uh the coroner's case about like the guy who was not to blame and the rail r- railroad company that put up signs so they weren't to blame yeah. And you know uh, the ending with no one attached. To I love the I love the quotes. No I love the quotes anyone. from the husband and the daughter, <laughs> where they're like, "Yeah, well, we don't know. I mean, she was due home, so." <laughs> um, let me see if I can find the quote. Uh, husband of the deceased, he also gave evidence. He stated that the deceased was his wife. <laughs> he was not in Dublin at the time of the accident. That is my wife. <laughs> As he had arrived only that morning from Rotterdam, they had been married for 22 years and lived happily until about two years ago when his wife began to be rather intemperate. <laughs> oh, I yeah. liked that a lot. And then the daughter talks, and she's delightful too, and she says that her late mother had been in the habit of going out at night to buy spirits. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And she had often tried to reason with her mother. Like who would who would say that? I guess maybe she had to at the inquest. I don't know. It just seemed like very uh, I mean, impersonal. That might, been, that might have been true. You see your mom becoming an alcoholic. Absolutely, but I mean it's just a way to talk about a dead person in a newspaper. I don't I wouldn't I, I wouldn't have quoted myself as saying that about my mother. But like I said, maybe they yeah. had an inquest and had to had to kind of give evidence. You know? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it was a was an inquest that they yeah. were made to think that they had to give be as honest as be as revealing as possible. Uh, and it, they don't make any connection to the situation with Mr. Duffy. Uh, uh, the the family doesn't. No, of course not. No, but uh, he does. Yeah, and he he's like he's well, yeah. in shock. 
the last line of the uh, uh, he's the last line that we're we're told or given from the 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 piece from the from the the article. No blame attached to anyone. Obviously, uh, he like starts to imagine uh, Duffy starts to imagine her. Um, he like uh, starts to like feel her hand. She seemed to be near him in the darkness. At moments, he seemed to feel her touch. Her voice touched his ear. Her hands touched his. He stood still to listen. Um, and then the accusation. Why had he withheld life from her? Why had mm-hmm. he sentenced her to, to death? He felt his moral nature falling to pieces. Um, and then that next paragraph, the penultimate one of the of the story, where he like sees the lovers in the park mm-hmm. uh, fucking, and uh, he's yeah he he says what's the thing about like he withhold have he's missed out on the feast of life he was yeah, outcast from he was life, outcast from life no one wanted him um, as opposed to these these lovers getting it in when they can um, gather your words but why you may um, he did not do that <laughs> now he's like 45 or something um, and if he uh, how was he to blame now that she was gone he understood how lonely her life must have been sitting night after night alone in that room his life would be lonely too until he died until he too died he this became a memory if anyone remembered him mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of fought the feeling, and it worked for a few minutes where he felt superior and just oh, yeah. felt like he had done you know nothing wrong about never seeing her he again. He had done nothing wrong. She had that fallen prey device. How she, could she have sunk so low? And he, he was like disgusted like, at her, you know, because yeah, he can't believe that anyone he confided in would kill themselves. Right. Well, I mean, that's like his conscious thought, but obviously that's. Um, right, it doesn't reaction work. formation against his own, yeah. I mean, maybe that's, I mean, that's probably somewhat accurate. That's probably somewhat, uh, I mean, that is, that is below him. Um, someone giving in to their emotions and their, you know, human feelings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is a weakness he has not done. Um, but then, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, also something of reaction formation to keep, to keep out the blame and keep out the, Right. Um, the night was per- and then the end he could hear nothing the night was perfectly silent he listened again perfectly silent he felt that he was alone mm. the soul of man under capitalism he felt that he was alone yeah it was creepy how he kept hearing her and feeling her touch I mean my god yeah Finally, that went away. Well, I mean, it, 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 it yeah, it, it drifts into, um, yeah, I don't even know if you would say that's like gothic or, you know, romantic territory, but that, yeah, snaps back into dry realism quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, although, I mean, that, 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 that's a, that is, there's a psychological realism to somebody feeling blame about somebody's death and then, you know, feeling their presence however blameful or however, however, yeah, however happy even. Um, yeah, so there is a psychological reality to that, realism to that, or naturalism to that. 
Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's back. <laughs> and then at the end, he can't, he, he stands trying to listen to see if, you know, he'll, he'll hear her voice and he's gone. Dead terror is also gone. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, that story is like fathoms deep. It's like five or six pages or eight pages or something. And it is a whole... I mean, there's not much more you could write about this guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't like atomize four years or yeah, uh, itemize the four years where he's just doing nothing or the 38 years where he's just, you know, eating moderately priced meals. <laughs> <laughs> going back to his moderately priced suburban as far away from the city as possible uh, apartment. Very sensibly organized books. He's, he has an orderly mind. Um, yeah. Too, too, too organized. Too, too orderly. Um, there's a kind of insanity to that. Uh, yeah. Amount of insanity. <laughs> there's a kind of insanity to that rigorous Sanity, overly rigorous sanity. Um, okay, everyone should read that story. A painful case. <laughs> that is, that is, yeah. With the dad, it's 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 one of the one of the the, the little masterpieces. All okay, right. So the next story is Ivy Day in the committee room. And this this story has yeah. so many people. I had to start writing down their names and figuring out who the hell they were. Oh yeah, it's a totally different. Um, yeah, the last story had two people, <laughs> one and a half people, because one of the people is only there for half of the time. This is mobs um, of people. Yeah. Uh, a whole, so the committee room of some political party, or I guess it would be the, the nationalist. Yeah, the nationalist party. party. For Yerni. Um, all these money-grubbing uh, guys who are paid to just round up votes for this guy. Um, but then one, one, one true believer. We have one true believer here. Is uh, Mr. O'Connor the true believer? Sorry? Is Mr. O'Connor the true believer? Oh, I meant Hines. Oh. Yeah. The, uh, one who reads the poem. Yeah. The poem to point out. Uh, do we? Do, how much of the Parnell stuff do you want to talk about? How much of an introduction to Parnell? So, uh, do we need? Um, I'm looking to see who was defending who. Yeah. So, Mr. Parnell. I, let me just summarize what I know or remember. He was a yeah, national. I guess that's where you can start. Okay. He was a nationalist leader, who I assume proposed things like speaking Irish and having independence from England. And he got caught up in a scandal at the height of his career that literally killed him, I think, the the, the stress of it, because he died very shortly after. And he was the hero of the nationalist uh, uh, type citizen uh, whose politics align with nationalism. Um, And it's a day, I don't know if it's the day he died or what, but it's a day to remember his legacy. Is the day we're reading yeah, about? Yeah, so Ivy Day is the day he died. Okay, uh, October sixth. Um, and yeah, uh, more specifically, he was a proponent of Home Rule and was like the head of the Home Rule League. He was a member of Parliament who 
actually had quite a bit of power because his little clique in parliament, they had enough seats where neither the conservatives nor the liberal party could have power, uh, except if they made, you know, some concessions to him and brought him into some ruling, you know, uh, super party or something. Like a coalition <laughs> um, type thing? Ruling pact. Yeah, yeah, like a coalition government, exactly. Um, so he was, minus the fucking this married <laughs> woman and getting caught for it um, and fathering children with her, uh, which is the, yeah, the personal scandal which took him down in very conservative Roman Catholic England. Um, and, the, yeah, the British people certainly used to their advantage. Uh, minus that, he could have, he pushed for home rule probably way earlier than they got it um, and perhaps uh, avoided some of the uh, bloodshed that would come 20 years later. Mm. Um yeah. You want to you want to talk But he was he was he was a super, he was like a really uh a really like good parliamentarian a, a really good like operator. Did he represent Ireland literally? Um, Did they vote for him in Ireland, I guess? And he went to the English parliament. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And there were there were some complications cuz Parnell was uh Protestant. And that was, he was like a landowning Protestant, um, which is how he was a member of parliament, of course. Um, so yeah, he wasn't like, uh, yeah, the, the, the Catholic hierarchy had, had angst for him. Um, and obviously the British people had angst for him just because of everything he represented. Okay. Um, and so, but there was a moment where he was super popular. Was he kind of like? Would he? You would you? Seeing the no. aftermath. I was trying to think of a comparison, but I don't think it would be helpful. Um, all right. So anyway, it's the, the these like people. Garibaldi or somebody? Or? No, I was thinking of McCarthy so, because he was popular for a moment, moment back in the day, and then he went kind of crazy and uh, was sort of a uh, fireball who you know lost control of his passions and then got unpopular. Well, I mean, he he lost he lost uh, voting majority of his of his of, of, of his of his crew but i mean that wasn't like he'd been having he was he, he was sleeping with this lady for like 20 years they fathered children together okay <laughs> um yeah it was that it was just a, a little side part of his life um gotcha gotcha it wasn't uh, like a flash momentary point. flash in the pan okay no that was part of what was so galling um it wasn't just a momentary passion it was systematic adultery. All right. So these people in the story are, like you said, working for a nationalist politician who uh, I guess is running for parliament, and they're trying to get people to vote for mm -hmm. this dude by canvassing. But it's raining, so they kind of yeah. have an excuse to not do it too much. Right. Um, and hopefully get paid anyway. Uh, they do get paid <laughs> in beer. Yeah, that's one thing. We never see the politician. Um, no, we hear about we him, hear. but and we expect him maybe to come. I'm expecting him when I'm reading it to come and pay the people waiting. Uh, but yeah, so from a bar, yeah, they're sent beer, and that's about all they get, right? Yeah, which is all they want. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 
Okay, so how do you want to talk about these characters? Because it's kind of, it's all, it's an orgy of people. Um, yeah. With similar points of view. And some of them are not, yeah, the, the Hines leaves the room. Um, and that allows everyone else who, I mean, one of them is a conservative who doesn't even care about nationalism, who doesn't even care about home rule, doesn't, uh, you know. Mr. Crofton, is that Crofton? Nationalist. Yeah. Uh, only aligns with the nationalists, you know, uh, practically the liberal out of power or whatever. Um, yeah, certainly he doesn't care about nationalism, uh, doesn't care about Irish home rule. Um, and the others are, there's like a suspicion of the Fenians, the more revolutionary people, uh, the hillside. Yeah, they were, uh, called yeah, I, 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 I'm looking for the page, but yeah, the Hillsiders and the Fenians who are, uh, more radical, more, uh, would become, or would get, you know, uh, I don't know if they would become, yeah, I guess they would become like the IRA. Okay. Or at least, uh, inspire the IRA. Is that where Mr. Henshi's talking about? I believe half of them are in the pay of the castle. Yeah, so and they're suspicious of Mr. Hines. Counter and tell. Um, and yeah, so the the nationalists even are, you know, suspicious of people who are too extreme, too much of nationalists, including like Hines, who is, uh, yeah, whom that, I, yeah, is, is, is said about. Um, too clever. Some of them are too clever, too intellectual. Some of them are like uh, plants from the Protestant uh, ruling class. Yeah. So they're they're what's they're they're so, being. Yeah, I mean, what's the word when you do nothing? Parnell's Protestantism. They're sitting around doing nothing. Is basically what the story is, and they're yeah. discussing politics. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what else is there to say? I mean, it's fun. You know, I will say this about his writing style. Um, it demands a lot of the reader, I think, because nothing's spelled out for you, you know, really easily. You you got to read it and kind of yeah. read into it and, and reread it and think about what they mean. And, uh, you know, he uses slang and things like, like you know, words that oh, yeah. reference All politics. Yeah, without any yeah. explanation. So... It's a challenging uh, book to read, but it's it's definitely uh, worthwhile, I would say, and uh, rewarding. You meet all these characters yeah. in the story that are um, funny and interesting, and they they talk funny. Uh, they have ingenious ways of opening beer, which I guess is a kind of... <laughs> I guess you put it in the uh, fire? It kind of sounded dangerous. Yeah, put it in the fire until the cat pops off and then you have to probably take it out pretty quickly. Have you ever heard of that? And I'm like, um, okay, how do you grab it though? I mean, it just sounds like it could blow up. Um, well, you put it in like the little thing above the fire. Yeah, like where you hang a... Yeah, like, I thought of it like a spit, you know, yeah. like where you have a meat or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like directly in the fire. Um, yeah. All right, what else can we say about this? Oh, oh, I wanted to mention so, one of the things... Oh, you can go ahead, too. But one of the things they talk about is whether or not the government should welcome the King of England the following year. And that's oh, yeah. a point of contention. Yeah, which... Um, 
Yeah, the the one side is like a very practical. If the king comes, Mr. Hinchy, money somehow, because <laughs> uh, people you would just need capital. Yeah, um, we need capital, and he's a nice old guy. Being there, yeah, I think that was, um, was like a little bit of a. They, he's like kind of lovable because he was. Yeah, he's handled, like a rankish like guy. Victoria, yeah, uh, Victoria stayed in power for so long. Um, but yeah, obviously the more radical side, the more, you know, uh, consistent side is fuck this guy. He's the fucking king. Mm-hmm. We should assassinate him. If he comes, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> like if he's trying to set foot on this fucking, you know, conquered soil, we should kill him or not let him do that. We should certainly not welcome him or have like a decree of welcome from the parliament and the Irish people. Uh, which you're not wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I, can't, I can't hide my, my preference in that argument. Um, um, I, I wanted to bring up that they call Parnell chief. He says, sit down, Joseph, Mr. O'Connor. Yeah, We're just talking about the chief right before yeah. he gives the poem. Right, that was his kind of... Uh, yeah, that was the, the, yeah, just like, I don't, it's not really a nickname. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is, uh, what they called him. Well, it's indicative of what they feel about, at least the core of these yeah. people feel about him. Um, yeah. oh, what were you going to say before I interrupted with the. Oh, I was going to say, then when Heinz, it was, that was a good time to, to interject, because then when Heinz comes back, he reads his, his little poem on the death of Parnell. Did he write the poem? Um, or is this a famous poem? Yeah. Okay. That's the implication. Okay. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to separate out Joyce's writing versus uh, Joyce's writing for in the voice of some other person. Um, yeah, we can see. Uh, I mean, kind of, kind of like in Love's Labor's Lost or something where Shakespeare's Right. Uh, writing in the poems in the voice of other people. Uh, yeah, this is like a fine poem. <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah, it's very like sentimental about Parnell. Uh, he talks um, about modern hypocrites in the first stanza, which I think yeah. is an important part of how he felt, <laughs> right? About the Parnell. The majority of, uh, well, about the, the people who took him down, um, the people who like were in the Home Rule Party who right. left, uh, caucus on their own and to caucus uh, I think with Gladstone I think they eventually caucus with Gladstone uh, to take their own power leaving him with a caucus of like 25 people or something and i.e. powerless <laughs> um, so yeah uh, that and like the I mean there's probably a hint of the, ca- the Catholic hierarchy in there modern history when you're talking about modern hypocrites um, people who were like willing to work with the ruling class, even though that ruling class had, you know, <laughs> not been very, very uh, friendly to their their religion, but just you know, uh, for practical purposes, um, was 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 willing to to help stab the back of Parnell. Um, yeah. Uh, what else do you want to say about the poem? 
Uh, he brings up liberty, which I think is a resonant word, which is a term I took from you. Uh, <laughs> both in Joyce's life and, you know, in these people's ambition for Ireland. Um, At least in Hines. And he called, you know, the word coward yeah. stands out. Um, another one. I don't know if that's in the poem or uh, elsewhere. It might have been elsewhere. Oh no, it's in the poem. Shame on the coward, caitiff hands that smote their lord on smote their lord, or with a kiss betrayed him to the rabble rout. A fawning priest, no friend of his. Yeah. And then the effect of this poem is important. Of course, they all basically right. feel like crying. Yeah, <laughs> they have to like pretend to be looking at the. the yeah, they, they, the they, fire. They, applause, they have to pretend to, you know, care about the, the their bottles a lot. <laughs> um, O'Connor taking out his cigarette papers and pouch the better to hide his emotions. Um, they even like nudge Mister Crofton into saying it was a very fine piece of writing. Um, so yeah, after like eight pages of like, um, I wouldn't say cynical because. Um, I think that word is kind of poisoned by now, um, but, but certainly not idealistic talk of Irish home rule, as uh, kind of, yeah, uh, sent, a little sentimental slap in the face, um, <clears throat> about Ivy Day and about Parnell and the Irish... Yeah, it's kind of. You're, are you are saying it's an liberty? ambiguous? It's an ambiguous story, you know, because on the one hand he sympathizes with their their aims, but he's pointing out the reality, maybe, of the the group of people aiming for it. Well, I mean, like, uh, I, I, Parnell was something of a hero to any young Irish person uh, at a, at a point, and then how quickly they all just gave up on him. Um, and it, it's hard to know exactly how much of this is not, this isn't autobiographical, of course, for since they long enough to be a canvasser, but his dad, uh, did, did, you know, that's right. Take money to canvas. He was, he was not necessarily a, uh, you know, Irish home rule hero or anything. Um, but yeah, Stanislav, his brother narrated, uh, this story to Joyce and, um, uh, or at least gave, gave, gave a lot of the de- details because I, I think the actual, uh, I think there's like a lot of Anatole France, um, in the actual, uh, conception of the story. Um, so yeah, uh, they kind of, I mean, just like any kind of celebrity, um, in any country, <laughs> In the, you know, the last 200 years, there's, there's like an arc. Um, yeah, uh, quickly start like, uh, gossiping about that. Like, he's a hero, then he's a figure of gossip, and then, um, yeah. A memory. Maybe not disillusioned. Um, but yeah, he's, he's still just like a figure of gossip even after death. And then, yeah, uh, there's, you know, at least one, believers yeah okay so that's a good point of how to read it that yeah basically 
like you said, cynicism is too strong a word, but the true believer stands out from the other yeah. people. 